Today's episode of Your Stories is brought to you by Emporium Arcade Bar. Emporium hosts awesome game, beer, food, and live music events daily in Wicker Park and Logan Square. Visit EmporiumChicago.com for more info. Welcome to another episode of Our Stories. Uh, this, as you may remember, is the Your Stories show that we do in a studio when we need to fill a week. No, that's not true. It's because we love you and we're weekly now. And, uh, you know, we used to do this thing called the Nerd Logcast and people seem to like hearing from us and we haven't really been talking a lot ourselves lately, uh, I guess. So, you know, we're going to do a little bit of that. And this week, uh, our theme, which is following off last week's episode that we recorded at Seattle, uh, is Cards on the Table, because I think that's a really potent and interesting theme, and I know some people had some things they wanted to say at the Seattle show that they didn't get to say, because, you know, we maybe started a little late, and uh, we're in a little bit of a time crunch, as happens when the show starts at 11.30 p.m. at night. Uh, Pacific time. Pacific time. Oh my god, that was a long fucking day. But uh, yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna share some cards on the table stories, just us nerds. Uh, so I'm Eric. You know me. I host all these shows. We also have Joe Gennaro, Michael Jando, Mary Beth Smith, oh Liz Bliger, <laughs> and Corvin Roeder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Joe and Mary Beth are back from last time. Jando's here now. Jando, weren't you on your like honeymoon or something last time? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. How was that? It was really good. Yeah. Yeah. It was good. It was fun. Huh? Joe's raising his eyebrows. I mean, did you get? I had a good dinner in, in oh. Aruba. Is yeah. there a good um, audio uh, equate equating sound to the <laughs> yes. eyebrows? Yeah. I think it's like, I think it's like blind? Yeah, yeah, I think it's like blind, blind? Uh, like yeah. a guitar string or something like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's almost like the Mario jump sound. Oh, nice. Yeah. Love that. Okay. Know, I, that's weird to me. Mario jump sound. Mario jump like, sound. I think we're like, did you... Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, we, I didn't go... I went to Mexico. Oh, Aruba, Mexico. Uh, but Where did Bella go? <laughs> hey, yo. I think she was in Mexico. Too. Okay. Uh, but like, were you guys on the same flight? Same flight, different rooms. Uh, <laughs> Did you like play a lot of magic down there? I hope. Oh my god! Yes. Oh yeah, it's so sick. Uh, so much magic. Yeah. Uh, did you tap a lot of stuff? Yeah, magic cards. <laughs> yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah. Uh, what did you resolve? Um, great, great cue. <laughs> several, several spells and instants. I hope uh, not. They weren't two instants. Unfortunately, uh. they were. <laughs> Counterspell. Wooberg! Oh, boy. All right. That's probably probably enough of that. Oh, Did you say Wooberg? The, yeah, the baby. color wheel? Oh, man. Uh, Joe Gennaro has been on my podcast, MBSing, mm-hmm. and that is where I learned the term Wooberg. Yeah. Um, I recently met someone not through the Nerdlogs who, when, I don't remember how it came up, but I think it was because I was talking to one of my friends about uh, the game we made, Fisticuffs. Um, and from that, we like transitioned into a conversation about magic and he was like, Oh my God. And he like put his leg up on the like bench we were standing next to and pulled up his, um, pant leg and he has a magic tattoo and it was like the logo and the five little like symbols. Mm -hmm. And I went Wooberg and he did not know what I was talking about. And I was like, Oh, uh, it's just like an abbreviation for all the colors. Like, and he was like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. To be honest, like I haven't played in a while. I I play with my grandpa sometimes. And I was like, 
It's weird that you would be that into magic to want a tattoo of it, but not enough to what I thought was like a pretty common abbreviation. I think so. I'd say anybody who's been in it for a reasonable amount of time is pretty familiar with that. I mean, Mary Beth knows it just by osmosis. And yeah, I'm so sorry. I mean, I know a lot of things about magic <laughs> by osmosis. She's also created some really great cards. You should go listen to Joe's episode uh-huh. of MBSing. It's like. 57 something like that yeah that i mean right. the the war eagle man that's a that's a house <laughs> I, it almost made the cut in battle for zendikar it was like this close yeah not to like light that guy up for being a fake geek oh, guy sorry. but it surprised me please we prefer the term fake geek girl it's oh. a, i don't i don't see gender i just know i hate fake geek girls <laughs> uh i remember on the the magic the gathering subreddit a while ago somebody posted a picture of a tattoo they got and they're like everybody check out this cool magic tattoo i got and it was all of the magic symbols but it was black blue white red green no. and everyone in the comments was like you idiot why would you not do them in order is right that everyone is, and, and then everyone was like post this to like our cringeworthy this is not that like, is so funny like, you fool this is miserable <laughs> why would you even that's a classic uh moth from the simpsons moment isn't it mother mother moth no do you guys uh-uh. you do not remember that joke i, I think I feel it like was I, old bart got a tattoo that, or someone had a tattoo that just yeah. said moth it was supposed to be mother but they couldn't get it finished <laughs> yeah all right. okay yeah. That's, a, that's a good my friend johnny that. actually has that tattoo so i see it frequently oh, so maybe i'm like reminded of it hilarious as, as a tribute to simpsons not because <laughs> his tattoo right up. Sure. i think that's a great uh like i feel like when you're talking about getting a tattoo of something that you love um the the like insider aspect of it is a really fun uh you know addition uh but it also i think it's funny when it's something that like works as a tattoo on its own yeah. i guess because like having all the symbols for magic is a pretty dope tattoo like i know people have had i've seen more than one person with all the symbols from the led zeppelin album yeah. it's like four different it's their four band symbols right and that's yeah. like a cool tasteful tattoo but also it's like hey man get the light out (laughs) i don't know i think it's dangerous like i could see myself 10 years ago wanting to have gotten a magic tattoo and then five years ago been like oh god what did i do and now i've been like man i wish i had a magic yeah like last year you're like yeah i'm in i think Uh, every five years (laughs) by the way no one tell janda what we're doing for his birthday okay wait Am I getting a magic tattoo on my birthday? You guys Next year. <laughs> You're not getting a magic tattoo for your birthday. Am I getting... Nope, no further questions. <laughs> okay. All right. Let's, let's move on to some stories. Um, I know I said before the recording, Mary Beth, that you, you could start again, but I feel bad about making you start twice. I, I think I can go. Are you sure? Yeah, I, I can I... totally go. I was cool. worried that this might end up being a little heavy, but you know, no, I think, I think I'm ready to tell this story, you guys. So this oh, is yeah. my, this is my cards on the table story. And it's interestingly relevant because I, I thought about telling this story in Seattle. Like, I, I'm going to say I almost told it, but that's probably a lie. Like, Almost meaning like I thought hard about it and an appeal to the capital R romantic in me, but having told it would have been a pretty shitty move, so I really wouldn't have. But let's just, let's just say maybe I would have told this story. Uh, so cards on the table makes me think of the Batman the animated series episode Almost Got Him, which I don't know if you guys have seen that, but that is to me like this perfect example of like telling a story where you don't know the ending until the story has been told. Uh, where the ending is developing in the telling of the story. Uh, and that episode has really stuck with me. And so this is, I, I always wanted to tell a story like that at your stories. 
Uh, I almost did a couple years ago. I had that like Transformers submission thing. I thought about, oh, I'm not going to read what the editor says until I'm at your stories. And I thought, no, that's really bad because what if I get really emotional about it? I, I shouldn't do that live on stage. But, and this was almost going to be another one of those stories. So this is a story about a lady uh, and about two trains passing in the night, I guess. That's a terrible expression. But here we go. <laughs> so two years ago at my buddy's wedding, I'm not going to use names. Uh, I'll try to keep this uh, incognito. At my friend's wedding, I was the uh, the best man. And this young lady that I, I just met was the maid of honor. And I, I had kind of taken a, a, a liking to her. Uh, she lived out of town. She was from Minneapolis. And and so it was kind of like, a, okay, I have to get everything in this weekend because realistically, probably not going to see her again anytime soon. So kind of uncharacteristically boldly for me, I asked her on, on Friday night at the rehearsal, I was like, hey, like, I don't know if you have a place to stay in Chicago because like her mom lived in the far suburbs or something. I was like, you're welcome to crash at my place. And she was like, I think I'm good, but I'll let you know if that changes. All right. So we're at the wedding Saturday, post dinner, in the middle of dancing, whatever. And she's like, hey... Uh, I thought about your question. I think I actually will take you up on that offer. And I'm like, all right, that's pretty sweet. This is this is new for Eric, but I'm going to take it. Uh, so some things happen at the wedding where the, the bridal and groomal parties have to do some, you know, some of their duties, I guess. There was some, like, cleaning that needed to be done at the end of the night that kind of elongated the, the wedding past, uh, past where it should have ended. So we were there really late. And, and this girl had brought a date. And so after we were done with all the things we had to do, I was like, hey, so do you still want to come back to my place? And she's like, well, I would, but now I kind of made this guy wait a super long time while we did all this, so I should probably just go back home with my date. I'm sorry. And I'm like, oh, bummer. All right. Whatever. Call it a night. That's fine. Uh, but we kept talking. We kept talking via text for like a long, long time. The week after that, actually, I, I had gone on vacation to Seattle, and I associate Seattle a lot with her because uh, that was kind of the trip when I got to know her through, like, text. Like, she gave me all these recommendations for cool places to go in Seattle. I didn't do any of them because she's much cooler than me, much <laughs> younger and, and, and more of a, a nightlife person, but I appreciated her time and suggestions. But, you know, we remained just text friends, and I, I kind of, even though, again, a phrase I hate, I kind of conceptualized her as maybe the one that got away, at least for a night. So fast forward, like I said, she lives in Minneapolis. So 2014, I'm going to be in Minneapolis twice. I'm going to be there for work. I'm going to be there for a wedding. And I'm like, oh, this wedding, that might be a chance to make up what didn't happen in the Chicago wedding. So, But that's the second trip. The first trip is the work trip. And I call her a few days before I go. I'm like, hey, I'm going to be in town this weekend. Do you want to hang out? She's like, yeah, totally. Next day, she calls me back. I'm like, oh, fuck, this probably isn't good. I bet she's going to cancel. And here's what she tells me. She goes, hey... I still want to hang out this weekend. Just so you know, I just got a job offer. In two weeks, I'm moving to Seattle. And I would like it. If, and so she proceeds to ask me if I could do her this huge favor and drive her dog from Minneapolis to her mom's house in the Chicago suburbs so she can take care of all this moving stuff and not have to worry about her dog. Which, of course, I said yes. And I did that. And at, when I dropped her dog off at her mom's house, I was just overcome with all this emotion. I don't know why. The dog feels like a metaphor, but it's probably not a metaphor. <laughs> but it felt at the time really heavy and sad and like the end of something. But I sure as shit dropped that dog off. We had a great five-hour car ride. And then I went home again thinking, all right, probably missed an opportunity. Because I was, like I said, in Minneapolis for work. We just hung out as friends, got dinner, my coworkers were around. Nothing happened again. But now she's in Seattle, which, as you guys know, we have been to Seattle 
twice. Uh, so I got it in my head that maybe for cards on the table at at the uh, at PAX, I would tell this story about her with her there, which, like I said, not a really smooth thing to do. So I'm really glad I didn't do it. But in our continued missing each other. So the basement of the theater where we were performing was a text dead zone. So I texted her before I got there. Hey, you know, uh, our show's at this time tonight. I hope to see you there. I neglected to tell her where it was. Ugh, so all night no. she was texting me. Hey, where are you? What time should, like, wh- how no. do I get in? I got those texts last week, finally. Oh, no. <laughs> what? Last week, a month later, I got her text saying, where are you? We just keep missing each other. Now, I will say, the last night of PAX, I don't know where you actually thought I went, but I was being genuine, Joe. I literally went to have a drink with this girl. We, she finally got back in touch with me Monday night. Our text started working. We went and had a drink that Monday. Nothing happened. We went and got a beer, walked her dog. It was nice. I don't know whether I missed a chance, whether there wasn't really a chance there to begin with. Probably a little bit of both. Uh, but that story always sticks with me as just like, this conglomeration of missed opportunities coming, you know, back and forth. And it makes me think of this song, because when I went to Minneapolis, I'm going to play a song in a minute. Yeah. Uh, when, when I went to Minneapolis, I was listening to The Replacements a lot, because they're a Minneapolis band. Obviously, you guys know that. Um, <laughs> Name 10 Minneapolis bands. Uh, or I, 11. Replacements. I <laughs> uh, Prince, uh, Soul Asylum, uh, Bob Dylan. Nirvana. No. Jesus. Uh, oh, what's that one that Claire likes? Uh, anyway, I'll get back. Oh, hold steady. But yeah, so oh. this is a song um, about missing someone. Like, like just, you're so close. You're like almost parallel, but then one just shoots right past the other. It's by the replacements. This kind of became a big song for me last year and how I felt about this person. And so I'm going to play it. This song is called Skyway. Thank you. Take the sky away High above that busy little one way In my stupid hat and gloves at night I lie awake Wondering if I'll sleep Wondering if we'll meet out in the street But you take the sky away It don't move at all like a subway Got bum when it's cold like any other place It's warm up inside Sitting down and waiting for a ride Beneath the skyway Saw you walking down that little one way Where the place I catch my ride most every day There wasn't a damn thing I could do or say Up in the skyway 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 
short one. Yeah, that's my story. story. Cards on the table. Like I said, couldn't actually do that to someone in person. But, man, I really thought about it. Yeah, I think um, it's funny because when I was thinking about the theme, I also um, consider talking about, like, it in a romantic sense because I think that um, I associate, like, just being up front, like, having all your cards on the table is, like, more my... Uh, I think that's, like, what I'm preaching right now is, like, I wish more people were honest about stuff like yeah. that. Um, this show might still be on the air. I, I only watched some of the first season, but I really enjoyed it. It was called uh, Lie to Me. Oh. Um, where I always forget that guy's name. D- D- Dennis Leary? No. No. Let's rescue me. Yep. Yep. <laughs> um, uh, um, anyway. Vern Troyer. No, that's no. mini me. <laughs> it's the guy who played Abomination. In yeah, the, yeah. Uh, he's, uh, uh, he's Gary Oldman's friend. Uh, yeah, it's not Eli Roth because that's the director of the movie I just saw last night. But I want to say it's like something Rothman. Besides the point. Anyway, there's a character in that show who practices um, something called like hyper honesty or like something like that, where it's just like won't even tell like white lies Kramer. and. That's it. Uh, um, and that, like, that and stuff that I went through um, ending a very long relationship. Tim, Tim Roth. Tim Roth. Thank you very much. Sorry. That's fine. No, that's perfect. I interrupted you at, like, the, the most, like, <laughs> Joe was opening up about something, and I was like, um, just so everyone knows. <laughs> Actually. Here's the name of that guy that you wanted. Yeah. Uh, thank you. Uh, Tim Roth. Great actor. Um, but... But but for some reason that character just seeing him like um, practice that and and going through a breakup of a very long relationship and then trying to put myself back out there to meet people I absolutely learned that just another cliche honesty is the best policy like sharing I mean you can definitely like overload up front but like <laughs> you know you don't need to put literally all of your cards on the table like when you first meet somebody to yes. be like here's all of my flaws right. you want Oof. you want them yes. to see the the pros but you also like don't hide that stuff don't lie about that stuff yes. and being like oh yeah like you know i really enjoy playing video games like that i need time to myself every week like i do these things that are legal in 48 states i <laughs> do these other things and like just being like, cool, this is me. Like, take it or leave it. And, you know, I've been lucky enough to find someone who, who takes it. Um, that sounds terrible. I actually was going to say that um, <laughs> as a comment during something uh, for something Garvin said, he said something about being at a wedding and uh, getting it in. <laughs> and like, he just meant like getting in like conversation and like <laughs> getting to know someone. I was like, eh, Did I? getting it in. I Mario jumps out. Mario jumps out. But yeah, I, to Joe's point, I definitely think it's. It's important to be open without using honesty as a weapon. And I, yeah. I think, like, there's Ooh, a way in which, like... That's a really good way to put it. Thank you. I think there's a way in which, like, the public gesture of, like, if I had actually told that story with, like, this poor girl there who probably had no idea about my feelings, like, mm-hmm. that's that's kind of using honesty as a weapon. Yeah. But there's, there's a, you know, that small part of me is like, well, if she's receptive, then I'm a fucking hero, you know? <laughs> but if she's not, then I'm a monster. And I, I should probably assume she's not. I think what you would do with something like that, I mean, that's an incredibly bold gesture. 
gesture if you did that in person. I think what you would do is you would just leave the ball in their court and, like, I wouldn't even, like, approach them after. Yeah, yeah. I would see if they um, seeked me out or if Correct. they, like, just left. And yeah. that's pretty much all the info I would need at that point. I mean, I think, like, Joe touched on this um, in terms of, like, being honest up front. I think there's a big difference between being honest with how you feel about someone and with them about, like, who you are and, uh, like being way too forthcoming and maybe you know like like you said you know putting someone in a public situation versus like pulling them aside you know after they came to the show um and uh and being forthright about it at that point i i think the way to have told the story would have been to not even mention that it was somebody there and just tell the story and then, yeah, just yes. see what happened. Oh, yeah. yeah. If you uh, mention that, everyone would just be like, look. Right. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Me? Who is this? But, is it you? But then, you know, her. we got that list of speakers, and it was like, oh, loading ready run, and the guy who made exploding kittens. I'm like, mm, I'm not going to tell this story. <laughs> I'll, I'll hold this for the studio. Uh, yeah. I've, I think, well, for me, a response to this story in particular, um, which is what I would have talked about if it had been if I had tackled this as a topic is that I think that, and you guys would probably be able to back me up on this. You guys being Joe and Jando. Um, I think that like romantic stuff, uh, like happens in its own time. Like, I think if you're honest about something and, you know, true to your emotions about it, uh, then, you know, it like in my experience comes back around. Like I, uh, the person that I'm dating now, we had, you know, kind of a, like, fling a couple years ago, and, like, I thought I had fucked it up, and he thought that I wasn't interested in him, and in reality, we both were interested in one another, and neither one of us was in a place to really make it happen at that point, um, but he told me, you know, since we started dating that, um, after, after that first, like, shot, he still thought to himself, I'm going to have another shot at this. Like, he knew he would, and he was right. Like, because it meant something to both of us. You know, he couldn't have known that at the time, really, but he knew what it meant for him. And uh, I think that that holds true from what I've seen, is that sometimes things just, like, even when you put your cards on the table, it doesn't always, like, pan out in the end at that time but um being willing to like explore it as it unfolds and as you like learn shit about yourself and you know other relationships then you kind of like figure it out that is really relevant advice more than you know and i i I, before we move on to you i'd just like to say that i certainly do not i'm like not staying up at night pining for this yeah sure but i thought it was an interesting situation and you know i still obviously like her uh certainly as a person and i'm sure we'll see each other again and yeah i think you're right nothing's ever closed off yeah especially if you're open and not an asshole yeah and i don't think that like eric or i was not this eric the one that i'm dating ever you know i don't think we were like lying awake at night for two years before we actually started dating but it was one of those things where like when we would see each other or you know when it came up it'd be like hmm like 
I wonder, you know. Yeah. yeah. But Mary Beth, that story was about you. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> don't you remember when you had Eric drive your dog and then you moved to Seattle? I don't even have I didn't even know I had a dog. This <laughs> 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 game is pretty rough. All right, let's let's hear from Mary Beth Smith. What do you want to say about cards on the table, Mary Beth? Um, I want to say that uh, there is a Garth Brooks song entitled Much Too Young, parenthetical, to feel this damn old that features the lyric, all the cards are on the table with no ace left in the hole. I'm much too young to feel this damn old. So when I hear cards on the table, I literally just like start singing that song. Um, Garth Brooks music is like ingrained in my being. It was the first concert I ever went to was a Garth Brooks concert um, with, like, my parents and some other members of my family. I still remember my dad uh, seeing a running order, um, uh, like, on the piano um, bench or whatever, and, like, looking at it with binoculars and, like, trying to figure out what order he was going to play the songs in. And the first song on the running order, I think he saw it during the opener. He was like... Oh man, he's opening it up with a bunch of old stuff. So it's like the first song is going to be blah blah blah. Second song is going to be blah blah blah. And the first song he played is a song called "Old Stuff." <laughs> and I like laughed so hard because even as a kid, I was like, "Well, no, he's probably just going to play that song." <laughs> like back when the old stuff was new. That's a Garth Brooks song as well. Um, and uh, I think that. Uh, so I know where this came from, and it's because both my parents were big Garth Brooks fans. Uh, my mom loves country music, listens to it still. Like, you know, when you get in her car, it's on a country music radio station. My dad listens to mostly classic rock. So the places where they, like, inter- the Venn diagram between their two tastes in music are really the things that I grew up with the most, um, which includes Garth Brooks and people like um, <laughs> like James Taylor. That's why I love Billy Joel so much, Eric. Um, Elton John, like there's a few other artists who to this day I have a very specific relationship with because it just existed in this place where like everyone in my family got into it at the same time or, you know, my brother and I at the same time, but like all of us kind of together exploring like albums as they came out and things like that. Um, and I think that as a result, I really, uh, because of the nature of country music at a really early age in my life. I, like, read into lyrics a lot and, like, related to them a lot because country music, especially in that era, you know, we're talking, like, 20 years ago um, before it became as, like, pop-integrated. Um, it was kind of a golden age between, like, old, like, country-western-type music and um, new country-pop music. It, like, existed almost just as country, and I think that's really when all the, like, tropes that people associate with country music started about trucks and loss and, you know, women and dogs and, like, all that stuff. Um, But, like, I think that I really became someone who emotionally invested in music as a result of that. Like, I would listen to um, people like Tim McGraw and John Barry um, and these songs that were, like, so adult and just like feel like i really felt them as a 10 year old <laughs> like john barry has this song um uh 
I can't eat and I can't sleep. Sometimes I find it hard to breathe. I break down and cry, not knowing why. And now I can't lie. I'm standing on the edge of goodbye. And that was like the title track from one of his albums. And I would like sing it to myself. God knows what I was like associating with it as a 10 year old. Like what kind of you know personal relationships i was attaching to this song that is like about like divorce or something and like and uh i like and you know so that like those i would be like just like listening to john barry and like crying for no reason and um Tim McGraw had a song called Don't Take the Girl that was like my first karaoke song. That It's just like this sad, basically a sad story song about this little boy. Um, the first line of the song is, Johnny's daddy was taking him fishing when he was eight years old. So you can like imagine. <laughs> so the first verse is about this boy who doesn't want a girl to come on their fishing trip with his dad. The second verse is five years later, the boy and the girl are dating um, and uh, someone pulls a gun on them and like, uh, so Johnny has to like, he says like, take everything, but don't take the girl. Um, and, uh, the third verse is about, uh, is 10 years later and they're having a kid and, um, it's like, doctor says the baby's fine, but you'll have to leave cause his mama's fading fast and, and, and the, that part, that um, chorus is about how Johnny is praying to God that his wife doesn't die. It's like good country, like like when I say that country music has like really intense, like grounded, heavy emotion stories. Like it, it's like designed to be heartstring pulling, and uh, I really just like dove into it as a, even as a kid and I really think that a lot of my like emotional response to music and film and a lot of other things can be traced back to uh being a fan of what I would consider like some of the best country music that exists I mean I say that after like singing these really like sappy uh lyrics and stuff but like especially compared to what it is now and all of the just like icons that arose out of that era of country music I'm, that I went to so many of them. <laughs> I went to, I've seen Garth Brooks twice. I've seen Ellen Jackson. Um, I've seen uh, Tim McGraw at least twice. And uh, I think to like cap it, um, and to go back to Much Too Young to Feel This Damn Old, the song that inspired it in the first place. When I was in high school, um, I want to say I was like 17 or 18. I was kind of growing out of country music being something that I still kept up with. I would still listen to the older stuff uh, back when the old stuff was new. Um, <laughs> but I didn't really listen to any new country. I was more like getting into pop and, uh, you know, more alternative rock type things that I like now, um, developing my own taste of music. Uh, my aunt in a very kind gesture bought me and my cousin and herself, uh, tickets to a Toby Keith concert for, I think my birthday 
and I was not looking forward to it. Like, at this point, Toby Keith had become much more of a punchline uh, than anything else. Even within, like, country circles, I think, you know, the, like, obviously what he exists as now is, at, like, especially outside of country music, is totally a punchline. And so I was just like, okay, let's do this. And it, like it really gave me a lot of perspective on how country music had changed since I was a little kid, how my own taste had changed since I was a little kid, how Toby Keith had gone from being a like relatively legit country artist to being, I love this bar, you know, like, um, and grill and grill. I love this bar and grill is a more accurate way to say that because even that song at the time it came out, I was like, I don't want to like this song, but I can see why it's so popular and and likable and like I do love this bar and grill. Um, I think that's it. Yeah, that's basically where it comes down to. That's amazing because as a ten year old, you really were too young to be feeling that. <laughs> yeah, <old>. exactly. <laughs> I'd, I'd like to imagine that the um uh the one song about uh standing on the edge of goodbye yeah it was just like you at like the last day of school i really think yeah. it was like with like elementary school crushes i would oh. be like i did one of my crushes moved away on my first grade birthday it was you know the like first guy well for you guys girl that you like ever had a thing for and like your little you Aaron. know Aaron, so she said her name was. His name was Nathan for me, which was weird because it's my brother's name. Um, Spooky. And he moved, and I think I probably really did associate that with like him moving. <laughs> Both my parents and Aaron's parents Ooh. knew that we were going, that she and I were going to like date at some point, and I kept trying to make it happen. That's so funny. It never happened. Was she not about it? She was never about it. <laughs> What's she up to these days? Have you uh, looked her up? She's married with like two children. Ooh. So I'm happy for her. Could have been you. Um, you could have been the children. I'm okay. <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't. How, how does sex know? work? I, I'm not sure. I had like, uh, when I would take the bus to school, I had like my little like uh, uh, CD player and like I listened to like music that my brother and sister listened to they were Do like you have, you have skip per, skip protection on no. that thing oh. that's Ooh, fucking a, amateur hour it was a <laughs> it was a square sony walkman uh and it skipped constantly and uh <laughs> i remember listen there's a song by super drag uh which is, i don't i don't even know where they're from or anything but it's like a very obscure, <laughs> yeah probably uh very obscure like pre-grunge or maybe grungy band and uh, they had a song called sucked out yes i always thought that sound they sound so much like soul asylum but yeah. i love that song yeah yes. i love that song too and i remember listening to it and like my thing when listening to that song was no matter what context i was in but usually on the bus like my friends would all be talking and i would just put my headphones on and like lean my head on the window and just listen to this like i don't know what the song's about but it just seems like it's really deep and i would just like grunge out until we got to school and then i take it off and be like, all right cool guys talk to you later uh, out the feeling. yeah exactly yeah. i love that song it I don't sounds know. like it's about getting your dick sucked. <laughs> oh, yeah that's, oh. What, that's what we call just the feeling the feeling there was a, there's a, the feeling. There's a part of that song where it's like 
Kissing the Bride, 45 Minutes Aside. And I remember when I was listening to that song the first time, it was on a cassette tape. And I'm like, wait a second. This cassette tape is 45 Minutes Aside. Are they talking about tapes? Are <laughs> <laughs> talking about music? I, yeah. I absolutely also can relate to like taking songs that are about much more adult emotions and applying them to your like the first girl I really had it bad for uh, I remember like my parents listened to light rock so that was my, my musical education which like look at me now guys I'm cool finally <laughs> but like I remember like that song how am I supposed to live without you like hit me so hard as like a 12 year old and it's like Wait, this song is Michael fucking terrible Bolton? yeah is, yeah, yeah. How am I <laughs> yeah. supposed to live without you yeah, man. And now I'm playing replacements, so look how far I've hey, come. Man. I remember uh, in middle school, I fell in love with Flagpole Sitta by Harvey Danger. Yeah. And, like, the lyrics just, like, I've been around the world and found that only stupid people are breeding. I had never left my hometown. I'm just like, oh, brother, I know. <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, the greens are cloning and feeding. And I don't even own a TV, but I totally got one because it was a gift from my aunt for my first communion. And then so, you went and you watched the, the movie world. Faculty. And you're like, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah, Famke Johnson. Like, uh, I was going to say, like, uh, <laughs> thing about michael bolton and like young kids um when i was in college uh my friends did um were the like judges at a talent show for a middle school and there was this girl who um came out and like had a bunch of hair in her face and was like didn't really have any stage presence but she came out and they're like okay um just introduce yourself and tell us what you're gonna perform and i can't remember what her name was but it was like mm. Lauren Jefferson. I said I loved you, but I lied, Michael Bolton. And (laughs) 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 so that just became like the way that you like if it was like our go-to bit for like entering a stage or like anything like that. We would just be like, I said I loved you, but I lied, Michael Bolton. And at some point, someone would probably sing at least, like, a few lyrics. I said I loved you, but I lied. Because this is more than love I feel inside. Which is just, like, hilarious that that's what that song is about. Even though it's called I Said I Loved You, But I Lied. The the QED of the song, the, like, TLDR is I lied because this is more than love. Like, (laughs) I remember asking my dad when I was, like, in fourth grade third or fourth grade what the song layla was about and he was like i'll tell you when you're older come to find out my dad was cheating on my mom so like you know maybe that's why he didn't want to tell me what that was it's eric clapton pining for george harrison's wife oh whoa yeah did you guys not know that no oh yeah that's that's the punch of that story is that like obviously he wouldn't want to tell me about like an extramarital affair because he was having one guys i'm totally okay with this i meant that to be funny i'm sorry no 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 totally no I'd like to imagine, I have no idea exactly how any of this went down, but I'd like to imagine at some point you were like, oh, Layla, and then he just goes, like, touches his nose, like, points to, he's like, oh, I get it. And, and then he just, like, drives. Through. Yeah, he walks backwards through a doorway. Yeah. yeah. Now you know. So they had, so he's, he fucked Layla. I don't know whether Clapton did or not, but I know it was about, like, longing for this woman that he couldn't, like, I don't know whether yeah. he had her, but. I mean, I think Mrs. Harrison came down with the Clapton. Hello. Oh. A ton of the clap. <laughs> oh, man. 2,000 Tear, pounds. Tears in heaven, am I right? <laughs> that joke was wonderful, comma, tonight. 
Te- Tears in Heaven is just about some other woman's kid dying. <laughs> oh. oh, all right, all right. Uh, um, come on, I, that I, was I, fair. Come on. But, but just real quick, I have the same the same like thing with movies. Like yeah. I watch a movie as a child, like Pulp Fiction, and not know any of what was happening other than like literally like the physical action taking place on screen mm-hmm. and nothing else and not get it and the then watching Greece later. is dancing what's exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I love Pulp Fiction as a child I didn't know why I liked it I just liked it Danny never lets me watch the Leatherman scene <laughs> <laughs> David Leatherman <laughs> <laughs> uh, got any gum <laughs> you uh, got any leather uh, you got any leather this, this bit could so many wheels I don't could go it. so far. Uh, Joe or Jando, do you guys do you have any reflections you want to share before we put a pin in this one? I'd love to open it up. To somebody. What did you? What so when you revisit movies that you felt that way about, like, do you feel like it gives you a new appreciation of them, or like it's like seeing a different movie yeah. altogether? Like Ace Ventura is probably the the example that's the most startling for me because that's a movie you're like as a kid you're like no I I get he's a pet detective <laughs> it's Jim Carrey it's hilarious right mm-hmm. but then you watch it and you're like it's, it's filled the with dirtiest sex. movie yeah. I've ever seen he gets, he gets a blowjob on screen wait what yeah I. It's I missed all the, of it. I haven't first, seen that movie in the ages. The first payment, so the the first case is he has to like save the dog from the ex husband. Oh and he's like yeah. Girl. So he like goes and gives the dog back to the wife, who's like this like big busty like blonde, and she's like, oh, I have no way to pay you, but maybe we can think of another form of payment. And then she just like you see her go down off camera, and then he just starts it's shaking just his around. Facial expressions. And in my head, I had no idea. Like, it, yeah. I never asked the question of what was happening. I just was like Jim Carrey's eating. Funny. Yeah, right. It's <laughs> the same thing in Ghostbusters when Dan Aykroyd, um, uh, Ray Stance, has the dream about a ghost giving him a blowjob, and I didn't know what it was happening because you see him like in bed. You see like his belt like comes undone and his pants start to get unzipped, and you, it cuts to his face and he like looks down, looks confused, and then like his eyes kind of cross and he like leans back. And I was just like, oh, he was spooked by the ghost. A ghost is doing something and he's spooky. He got his ectoplasm everywhere. More like, more like spunked by the ghost. Hello, <laughs> Mario, too, jump sound. Too spunky for me. Whoa. Oh, guys, it's getting steamy in here. Yeah, steamy. Sorry to ask a follow-up question oh. after you did the like. Hey, you guys got anything else to say? Oh no, that's fine. I, I if anyone has a, a reflection or story they'd like to share, that's great. Otherwise, I think we can start to wrap. Um, this isn't really a story, but it makes me think of just cards on the table. It makes you think of two things. It makes you think of hiding things and then makes me think of magic which uh those two were always tied together the gathering or magic the gathering okay not like, yeah yeah uh i remember not illusions michael <laughs> illusions uh i don't remember when i started playing but i have a very vivid memory of uh it being in second grade and like sitting at my lunch table and just like having my cards like just like across the table and like everyone coming and looking and like people with their cards and stuff. So it must have been around that time that I started playing. And when it first, when Magic first kind of hit my school, uh, it was like widely accepted. Everyone played it. And something happened, I don't know when, sometime between second grade 
and like fifth grade where it just became a thing that cool people didn't do uh, and like only nerds did and so it was around that time basically that I still played Magic and I've played it consistently since then but like secretly like I remember that being a a thing I was afraid to tell my now wife when we first started going out because I'm like man this is probably the quote unquote nerdiest thing like that I do Uh, and uh, now it's very uh it's very different because now it's like everywhere like we'll walk somewhere and we'll see like people like at a restaurant sitting outside the table and playing magic and it's like it's a good time it's a good time to be a magic player again how often are those people you see us your friends uh yeah all the time (laughs) (laughs) we're just going to restaurants where my friends who play magic hang out (laughs) you guys know like puts on the facebook group like hey can you guys go here and and play magic just wear like a mask. <laughs> so Bella doesn't know it's you guys yet. Uh, uh, what if you really did go to those lengths to like help you feel cooler with this woman that you're madly in love with and would like tell anything to? You're still just trying to like integrate. I think it'd be weird when she's like, "So do you have to wear a mask when you play magic?" Like every stranger I see is just wearing a mask. They all have very similar. Bo- There's only like three body types for every magic player as well. Like long hair and beard. Like, Short hair, beard, and the girl. <laughs> why, do they, why do they always have to wear a Cleveland Browns t-shirt? When they're playing? I don't know, but that kid always seems to win. <laughs> Boo. Uh, the guy who created Magic is a huge Cleveland Browns fan, so off, that's like where people got into the game. Totally. Um, in fact, Cleveland Browns give out Magic cards to people who come to the stadium for the games, for the sport. They, they go, welcome to sport, here is card. What's and that then, little uh, mascot's name? Uh, it's just brownie. It's the brownie. brownie okay, the so the brownie card. Yeah, what color is it? It's an elf. Elves are usually... Green. You got it. I know. I mean, Mary Beth's an yeah, expert. Right, yeah. I don't know Come why. So, yeah, what's the... How does it play? Uh, brownie um, has a move called the uh, cornerback <laughs> sneak <laughs> cornerback sneak so for those <laughs> for those of you who aren't really into magic a move is another word for uh, activated ability yeah for those of you who aren't a, really into yeah, brownie, it yeah. sorry i just assume that we're all on the same page right. yeah, yeah, we're, we're all our professionals we are every one of us here knows yeah. what the move is but you get those casual players um yeah this is an activated ability ability yeah, exactly. mm-hmm. that brownie has called the cornerback sneak uh, it's a pretty unique ability. It's yeah. so unique that they named it. Usually, those abilities don't get named. Right. So yeah. really <laughs> oh well, this is like a this is like a nickname. Like all the players know this. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, like obviously because the Browns are like so integrated into magic lore, uh-huh. it's just like a fucking legend. <laughs> wait for a dairy card. <laughs> oh, so you can only have one of him out on the field at a time. Obviously, yes. he, he's too good. Yeah. Brownie's like right up there with Black Lo- Lotus. Black Lotus. <laughs> Black locusts. Black locusts. Oh, that's a spoiler for the next set, guys. Yeah. I told Mary Beth not to tell anybody. I just Oopsie. broke my NDA. Oops. We'll edit it I out. try to say one person listening to this, Chris Geiger, is cracking up. Then <laughs> uh, so rather it also, what is, for what sure. What does cornerback, uh, cornerback sneak do? Uh, so what it does is um, at the end of your opponent's turn. I love it. Um, it has the ability to make... Uh, six points of damage. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and it's like if, a touchdown. Yes, but if you have um, 
another creature um, on the table who has flying abilities. It can make seven points. <laughs> That's really good. That's brilliant. I think it's interesting that the other creature has to have flying. <laughs> well, yeah, it's because of the yes. Oh, oh. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, totally. From That's the troop. Uh, the Joe made the uh, it's good field goal. field goal, which is exactly what that uh, card is and not to. Oh yeah, I, I got the flavor of that yeah. card. Yeah, yeah. Man, I mean, again, I've known it forever because it's a legend. Yeah. Wait for it, dairy <laughs> card that's just been around forever. Do you uh, off the top of your head? Because I know a lot of magic cards have like little like flavor text at the bottom, like uh-huh. storyline. You know, off the top of your head, what what brownies? Uh, um, it's is? maybe this is our year? Question mark. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, I think we about have to wrap so Joe can go watch a Browns game. <laughs> oh no, no, no! Yeah, it's gonna be. Great. Thank you all for what's your record so far? One and one. Okay. Solid fifty percent. Yeah. Well, I mean, hell, well we it'll finished. your record will be different by the time this airs. <laughs> that is correct. <laughs> one way or the other. Yeah. But I felt like that was more of a slam. Two. Who are they playing? The Oakland Raiders. Oh, okay. It's the last game of the year in which the Browns are favored to win. Ooh. Oofty goofty. Well, let's get you to watching that. Yeah. That boy. Thank guys, you. thanks for thanks for tuning into our stories. We're going to have a full month of live shows in October, and then we will be back in November with some more of these studio episodes. Maybe we'll get Geigs and Katie on. I don't think they've been on yet. And, uh, yeah, cool. Thanks, everybody. Have a good day. Bike fisticuffs. Did you say bike fisticuffs? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's uh, a it's you, a it's a a bike marathon that I'm starting. It's just called Bike Fisticuffs, where if you bike 26.2 miles, you get a free copy of Fisticuffs, which is our game that you can buy now. Oh, you can! I didn't even think yeah. about that. The website is www.fisticuffsgame.com. Right. Also, backslash Bike Fisticuffs will tell you everything you need to know about. Yeah. This if for any reason that URL doesn't work, just keep refreshing it every 10 seconds <laughs> for the next three years. Thanks, guys. Bike Fisticuffs. Bike Fisticuffs. Your Stories is a proud part of the Chicago Podcast Co-op. If you like Your Stories, you might also enjoy friendshipping. Hosts Jen and Trin discuss friendship, particularly between ladies. They tackle the tricky stuff, like how can I make friends as an adult, how to end a toxic friendship, and more. Friendshipping can be found on iTunes, as well as friendshipping.simplecast.fm. This has been a Nerdalogs production. For more on the Nerdalogs and our shows, please go to www.nerdalogs.com. Thank you all. Thank you all. I am Grabbot23548X.